Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. The following episode contains a story about suicide. I've been told many, many times by different readers, I have one foot in, one foot out, and it feels very much like that for me. In March of this year, I received an email from a woman named Ara, a fellow Filipino-American. She claimed to have had countless paranormal experiences, so she wrote out the titles and asked which ones I was interested in hearing. St. Therese knocks on my front door, possible night marchers or gods emerging from the ocean, seeing a colleague's car get vandalized while astral projecting, seeing a gray while walking my dogs, just to name a few. And all these titles were accompanied by a brief description. Some even had picture proof. There was something about Aura's email that immediately made me feel like she wasn't pulling my leg, but really did have genuine stories that she eagerly wanted to share. I have so many, and they're just huge experiences that I just don't know how else to explain to anybody other than someone like yourself. So thank you. And since we've recorded, she has sent me even more baffling videos and stories. This will definitely not be the only time you hear of Ara on this show. She is a beautiful storyteller, and I'm excited to share two of her many stories that I absolutely cannot stop thinking about. And I grew, I grew up as an only child for the first 10 years of my life. So, you know, I had a really good imagination. I had a lot of friends. And yeah, some of them were imaginary, but some of them weren't. So I had two rocking chairs in my room. And I remember this one time, I must have been like five, four, five. And I knelt in front of one of my rocking chairs. There was a doll in it. Um, It was my mom's doll, actually. And all I heard was, you can make it rock. And at first I was like, you can make it rock. And it was this conversation that I had, not verbally, but telepathically. And all I heard was, you do it, Ari, you make it rock. And 
all I did was look at the uh, at the rocking chair at that point and took whatever who took whatever who or whoever else's energy used that used it when mine with my own energy and made the rocking chair rock. And at that point, I flipped out and I was like, "There's ghosts in my room!" And I took off running, and I ran down the hallway and. All I remember after that was my mom saying, hey, what's the matter with you? What are you doing? But at that point, even at that age, I didn't say anything to her because I knew she wouldn't believe me. Moments like these were common for Aura as a child. But when you lack the ability to speak freely about your experiences, it can feel pretty lonely. Throughout Ara's life, she would feel little nudges to accept her abilities, despite not fully understanding them. It wasn't until around 1997 that a co-worker helped Ara fully embrace her spiritual calling. The following story took place before then, in 1993. And I was living in the Central Valley um, in the city of Fresno. And my employer was in another city 45 miles away. So every day I would do that 45-mile commute. And... At this particular time in my life, I was 30 years old, and I had two cars. One was a Hyundai, and one was an Infiniti. And I had just gotten the oil in the Hyundai changed the night prior, and I thought, I'll just, let me take this one to work so that the oil can run through its cycle in the engine. So I did, and I don't, have you ever driven through Highway 99? It's all agriculture out there. So on either side of the freeway, that's all you see are all the the fields of California, all the agriculture. Um, So my 45-mile commute was just that, and that's it. And so I hopped on the freeway, started driving, and um, hadn't really even gotten, I want to say, two miles on the freeway when my engine light came on. And I was like, no. And all of a sudden, the oil light was the one that was flashing. And I was like, so naturally, I had to pull over. So I pulled over. And mind you, this is 93, so so there's no cell phone yet, right? You break down, you go to the call box. And so so I pull over, and I'm like, this is great. This is just great. So I get out of my car. I'm in a suit, my, you know, my work suit. And as I get out of my car, I lit. I lift the hood up and I, I don't know what I thought I was, I was going to do, you know, lifting the hood up, but I just, just did what was coming to me. And then all of a sudden I noticed this young woman walking towards me. She looked Filipino. She had very long black hair. And at that time I had very long hair as well. And she had a, you know, the uh, contractor's vest on. She looked like a contractor. She walked towards me. She's like, Hi there, do you need help? And so I turn around, I'm like, this is weird, okay. And I said, well, yeah, I think I think, I think my, I ran out of oil. And I said, and I just got the oil changed last night. And she said, oh no, well, you, do you want me to check? And I said, no, it's okay. And she had already pulled out the, whatever that, the oil thing, gauge. And at that moment, for whatever reason, I walked back to my car. I think I wanted to retrieve my keys and walked to my car and when I went walk back out front I saw she was literally under my car and then I just saw her two legs sticking out from underneath the car 
And then she shimmied out from underneath and she showed me her finger. And she said, yeah, they forgot to put the plug in because she had stuck her finger straight up the oil crank casing, whatever. And I thought, oh, okay. In my head, I was thinking, well, she's doing a lot more than, than I expected her to. So then she asked me, she said, well, where are you headed? And I said, I said, well, I was on my way to work. I said, in Visalia, which is 45 miles away. Well, she said, do you want me to give you a lift to work? And I said, oh, I said, no, 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 that's okay. It's really way out of your way. She's like, well, do you live around here? Do you, do you have another car at home? Um, or do you have someone else that, you know, can, you can meet up with? And I said, well, actually, yeah, I do. I do have a car at home. So, and it's only, you know, just at the, up at the next exit. And she said, well, I don't, I don't mind giving you a ride. And I said, okay. So we walked to her truck. I got my stuff. I locked the door of my car. We walked to her white truck. I got in and she drove, I want to say she drove about 10, 15 yards. And she said, just let me tell my crew that I'm leaving and then I'll be right back. And I said, okay. She gets out of the truck. She walks into the field, the agricultural field. And so I turn and I look. And in the middle of this agricultural field are two old people, Sapphire. I mean, old. They're like as old as I am now. They're like, they were like in their 50s or 60s. And one was a man, one was a woman. So she went out to them. She, she talked to them. And they both, both of these old people looked at me in the truck. And they were like, Ara began waving her arms enthusiastically. Like this to me. And I was like, huh, hi. <laughs> and in my head was like, oh, this is really odd. You know, this is chick who's in construction and, and this is her crew. It's two old people. And then she came back and she got back in the truck. She's like, okay, we're ready to go. And she's like, should I just turn around and go back the other way on the other, um, you know, go uh, northbound on the freeway? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we did. We got back on the freeway, went back the other way, heading back towards Fresno. And as we drove away, the two old people were like waving by. And I was like, okay, bye. So as we're driving back to Fresno, she starts telling me about her life and, and how she is from Hawaii and how she got this bid to work on the freeway here in California. And she said, we're replacing the, the caps. You know, the, you know, those things that when you cross over the lane, they go da, 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 da. Yeah. So she said, we're replacing those. And I said, oh, okay. I just, I don't know anything about construction. So I just said, oh, that, that's interesting. And she said, yeah. And then I asked her, I said, uh, I said, how old are you? And she said, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm 25. And I said, oh, cause yeah, you look really young. She said, but, you know, I'm kind of on my own. My dad and I, we don't get on very well. My mom died when I was really young, and he wanted me to go to school, but I wanted to go into construction, and da-da-da. And I started kind of giggling, and she said, why are you giggling? And I said, I've, I've been in your shoes. I said, my dad and I, we didn't get on very well either, and my mom also died when I was very young. And so as we were continuing on our way back to Fresno, she basically said, why don't we stop by the oil shop and tell them that they did a shitty job on your car and that they need to go pick it up and fix it. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. So she drove me to the oil shop. 
and and I explained everything to them, left them my key, and was done with that. And then we headed back to my house or towards my house. And this whole time she's making conversation with me about how how her crew was going to be out here in California for six weeks to to replace those caps and how since she came back to Fresno to bring me to my you know to my house she was going to stop by the hardware store on Blackstone where she could pick up these caps at a sale price for 69 cents a pound and so I just went along and just listened to her whole story when we got to my place I turned to her and I said can I offer you money or buy you lunch or anything please you know because you spent so much time with me already and she's like no or I don't I don't want anything she said my crew and I we're going to be out here for six weeks uh, we're staying at the hotel I can't remember I I don't remember and she said my name is and I can't remember her name I can't even give you like a sounds like <laughs> just totally totally blanked out but she basically said if you want to come and hang out with me and my crew you know we're going to be here for six weeks so just you know we'll have beers after work so I was like oh okay but I, I don't know I didn't know where to go because I blanked it out so anyways so we said our goodbyes and she just said you know all I ask is that you help somebody out if you see somebody in your situation that's all that's all my payback I want Okay, so we parted. Um, she left, and I got in my other car. And because by now it was already near lunchtime, I decided to go ahead and stop and get food. I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and get food, and I'm going to drop it to them because they're going to be on the free on the side of the freeway. So that's what I did. Um, I got, I think I got McDonald's, and then I was on the freeway. So here I am. I get on the freeway. I see my car, it's still sitting there on the side. So I thought, oh, they'll be up here just sh shortly, you know. They were never there again. The story only gets weirder from here, and it continues after the break. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. 
And now, the story continues. When we left, Ara had mentioned that when she went to drop off lunch for the freeway crew, she couldn't find them. Never. They never appeared the next morning. They weren't there in the afternoon. I don't know her name. I don't know what hotel they were staying at. And I was like, what What just happened? This is so weird. Flash forward several months later, okay, several months. And I'm talking with one of my cousins and this particular cousin, she sees dead people, okay? Yeah, so she, so I'm talking to her because I know that she can relate to this story. And so as I'm telling her this story, she asked me, she's like, Ara, how old are you? I said, I'm 30. And she said, and how old was the girl? I said, she's 25. And she said, Ara, that's your sister, Michelle. And I have a sister who my mom gave birth to when I was five, who died three days later. And, and I looked at my cousin and I said, wait, what, what are you, what are you talking about? She's like, Ara, think about it for a second. She's 25, she's Filipino. Her story of growing up is the same exact story as you growing up. And she said, and think, Ara, why would California hire a contractor from Hawaii to come put caps on on our on the US highway of 99? And she said, and those aren't caps, they're not plastic. You don't just go buy them at the hardware store for 69 cents a pound. And I thought, well, I don't know <laughs> how it works. And she said, was there any signage on her truck or anything like that said, you know, such and such construction? And I said, no, it was just a white truck. And she said, Caltrans trucks are orange, are a, and they say Caltrans on them. And her crew is two old people. And I they were standing in the middle of the field. She, she spoke with them and they waved. And she said, are oh, those are probably your guardian angels. And so um, from, from that time on, that's just kind of what I believed because I really don't have an explanation of why a Hawaiian crew would be here. <laughs> no, I, just, I was just gonna say, it, 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 it is truly like something came into my head and removed her name and removed the place where they were staying at. I mean, it's just gone. I, it's just gone. She, well, here, and here's the other part. She looked like me. She looked like me. She was darker though. She was darker than me. I just kind of put that with, well, she's Hawaiian and she's a construction worker. Naturally, she's gonna be darker than me. But when I talked to my dad about the story and I told him what my cousin said, he said, you know, you're, because my dad was the only one that saw my sister. My mom didn't even see my sister after giving birth. Uh, my dad was the only one. He's the one that told me, he said, you know, when your sister came out, she was so much darker than you, when you were born. And so when I think about all those little pieces coming together, it is like, yeah, I, I, I have no argument for that. I don't. And I, I feel like they removed her name and, and the place where they're staying at because it really wasn't, that wasn't important. What was important was the experience and the fact that for me to realize that somebody's watching out for me. I 
have always believed that it was because I lost my mom at such an early age. My mom was sickly from the time I was five, six years old. Um, she was always in and out of hospitals. She died when I was nine uh, from congenital heart disease. And so I always have felt like she has always crossed between the veil to keep me safe. Um, and it's not that I've had uh, a harmless life. Uh, you know, I have been hurt. So there's those things that have happened to me. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, I, I truly believe that my mom has crossed over to keep me safe or to guide me or to help me. Um, the fact that this young woman might have been my sister, Michelle, just adds to the fact that, well, they're there together. So naturally, you know, if anyone was going to show up as a construction worker, it, I suppose it had to be. <laughs> I, it just sounds so crazy. I just, I know it does. I think about this story almost every day. It sounds straight out of an episode of Touched by an Angel or The Twilight Zone. I've been trying to wrap my head around a rational explanation for what happened to Ara, but I've come up short. Ara is a truly blessed person, and in her next story, she uses her gifts to help someone else. Do you want to hear the other story? Um, this was actually a dream that I had, and it was a dream about a childhood classmate who, uh, he was like my little boyfriend in seventh grade for all of like, I mean, probably a month. And anyways, uh, as we went through high school, we definitely went our separate paths. And so naturally beyond high school, there was no contact at all until the advent of Facebook. And <clears throat> once Facebook came around and, and I started adding and meeting my old childhood mates, naturally he came into the the algorithm and I was trolling his page one night. For clarity, Ara doesn't mean trolling as in leaving him mean comments, but simply scrolling through his feed. And I guess I accidentally pressed friend request. So, you know, sometime later he accepted the friendship request. And funnily enough, we never communicated on Facebook. We never said, oh, hey, hi, how have you been? You look great, nothing, nothing like that. It was obvious to me that we were on very different political realms. We were on different life goals and just experiences. But, you know, for me, it's whatever floats your boat. And I was just really happy to see him on there, you know, online. Um, and so it, it went like this for like, I want to say a year and a half. It was just, you know, a Facebook friend. Um, then flash forward to a year and a half later, and I had this dream one night um, and in the dream, I had my rolling suitcase with me and I came into this lobby and there was a little boy there who said, are you checking in? And I said, yes, I'm checking in. And he says, I can take you to your room. And I was like, okay. And so he takes me to your room and he opens the door to a bedroom that looks like a bedroom in a house. And there are clothes on the chair and the bed's made, but it, it's definitely not a hotel room. And I said, this can't be my room. And he said, yes, it is. It's your room. This is your room. And all of a sudden, my childhood mate, whose name is Mike, he walks in through another door. And so he opens the door and he sees me. He's like, hey, Ara. 
And I said, Mike. And he says, yeah. He said, is this guy trying to tell you that this is your room? And I said, yes. And he's like, don't listen to him. He's just joking. He said, follow me. I'll show you your room. And so I walk through the door with Mike. And I walk into this gigantic space of a room um, where on one side, it's a concave window that is floor to ceiling glass and when you look out the window it is a beautiful sight of hills and greenery and just beautiful forest and in the room itself was a bunch of like I want to say like pool tables and um, arcade games and these really cool couches and there was like a snack bar of some sort and most of the people that were in this room were they were young they were like teenagers and i said wow mike this room is great and he was like yeah he said that's how it is here um he said we like to keep the kids in one safe space you know and and these are the kinds of things that they like they can watch tv they can listen to their music they can play games and i said that yeah that's really this is really really cool i like this and i said and the view is fantastic he said isn't it so we stood in front of the window and he said, I just want you to know, he said, this view can be whatever you want it to be, Aura. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you think about whatever it is that you want to see, and it happens. So he said, go ahead, try it. And so I pictured the ocean and a sunrise. And it was like a painting that just went, and it just changed. And the whole scenery was this ocean. And I was like, wow. Like this is beautiful. Oh my God. And he said, yeah, this is the way it is here. And that was kind of the end of the dream. I, I, not much a- happened after that, that I can actually recall, but because the dream was so vivid and it was in color and so very real. When I woke up the next morning, I was like, Oh, I don't care if we haven't spoken in a thousand years, I'm going to contact him on Facebook, you know? So it was a working day. So I went to work, but very much could not concentrate because I was just so excited to tell my friend about this dream. And so after work, came home, jumped on my computer, went straight to Facebook with every intention of going to his page and, you know, and messaging him. But basically what happened was I started trolling my feed. And as I trolled my feed, A lot of our mutual classmates, I could see some of their posts that said, can't believe this happened. Rest in peace. And then one of our mutual friends who I know was still friends with him as adult, like good friends with him, where they would visit each other. Her post basically said, Mike, I can't believe that you're gone. Um, I know that you were in a lot of pain. I hope that you're in a better place. And everything in me just chilled because I thought, no. And so I went to his page and definitely just, he was gone. But nothing was said about how he had passed or anything. So I reached out to our mutual friend to whom he was close with. And she told me that when we were in our 20s, he had been diagnosed with brain cancer, had gone through chemotherapy, and had told anybody and everybody that if it ever came back, he would not go through chemotherapy again. And apparently two days before his death, he had been told that it returned. And so the night that I had my dream, 
was the was the night that he shot himself in the head and he died and so i i it just took my breath and i realized you know in that moment that he came to me for whatever reason and so i just remember shutting my laptop and telling him you need to tell me what you want me to say because uh, i i know that was this wasn't for me this was for somebody you need to tell me who that person is and as the week passed uh you know and every time i go back to his page just to see if there were services or anything his sister whom i also went to school with posted something very poignant and it struck me that oh it's it's her that i need to reach out to and so i reached out to her and i just told her listen i know this sounds crazy but i just want you to know that where your brother is he is in a phenomenal place he it is beautiful because they were catholic too and there's always that scare of when you commit suicide where you go um and i so i just told his sister i said he's he's okay he's good he's safe and that was it i run into people who quite a bit even in my own inner circle who have said to me you know oh i wish i could i could i wish i could have those experiences too ara and what i always tell them you do you do you have them every day you just have to know and see the signs and they're there all the time in the most smallest way they are there and when you see them you have to acknowledge that you have to acknowledge that this is this is something this is a miracle you know right and once you see them you have to be able to shut everybody else's chatter out and just say this it's real for me it's real for me i don't need to explain myself i just know how it makes me feel and that's all that matters i have a friend who she lost her daughter to cancer and she very much wishes that her daughter would visit her and it's like gosh i wish you could see how much your daughter visits you but it you know they want something of their own expectation Ara, once a little girl afraid to tell her family what she saw, is now an eloquent and confident woman when she speaks of her experiences. Like when I ran down the hallway after the rocking chair rocked, even though I was so young, I knew that if I told my mom, she would be like, "Ara, come on," you know. So already that was embedded in me. So as I got older, naturally I just shut down even more, and then. as i you know as i grew into a young woman and you know and then into a woman in my 40s who all of a sudden like yes i'm i have my voice <laughs> it's incredibly vulnerable to share any part of you publicly in my case there are complete strangers who are way too comfortable telling me that i'm either an idiot for believing in the paranormal or that i'm an idiot for not knowing enough about the paranormal There are days when I want to remove myself entirely from the discussion and live on a mountain with no Wi-Fi. But if I did, I'd also be removing myself from the complete strangers who trust me with their most personal and meaningful life stories. The people who have experienced things that make no sense scientifically and yet make all the sense emotionally. Like Aura, the more that I told 
my stories, the more at ease I became with it. And as I got older, just I didn't really care what anybody else thought, which is why when I came on your podcast, I was like, wow, I could have used her like 30 years ago. Thanks for joining me today. Have you ever experienced anything like Ara's stories? Send me an email at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash storieswithsapphire to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash sapphiresandalo where I post animated spooky stories and more. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to Ara. For more information on this episode, visit storieswithsapphire.com.